This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. I'd like to you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. How many of you love spending time at the airport? Anybody? <laughs> no? I quite like airports. I find airports quite fascinating. I like to watch different people and Whenever you go to the airport, there's always lots of different reasons why people are there. Sometimes people are just on a day trip or they're just business, they've got a little case. Sometimes they're going on a big holiday, they've got a big suitcase. If anything like me when I was a student, trying to pack, load up my suitcase as much as possible. And what you try, you know, get people trying to do all they can not to get excess baggage at all. I read an article the other day about two guys who had um, too much in their bags. For the, um, for the flight. So what they did is they took everything out and put all their clothes on. I don't know whether you've ever <laughs> worn more clothes just so that, you know, you can get on the flight. So they did the whole thing. They did the whole flight dressed in everything practically that they had. Um, but yeah, airport. And when we go to the airport, we take our bags, don't we? And you can see that you might be intrigued today at the different bags that I've got behind me, a selection of different um, bags of mine, and uh, that will come apparent in a moment. But I want to speak today about the idea of excess baggage, not so much in the physical um, when we go to the airport, but in our lives. And uh, I want to start off in Hebrews 12, and um, we're just going to look at the first few verses. Okay, here we go. And it says this, therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God." I don't know about in life whether you ever feel a little bit like this here, this little picture. You might have seen this before, okay? Um, carrying round a heavy load, carrying round excess baggage, as it were, burdens, things that are in our lives that weigh us down. And sometimes those things can be really heavy and burdensome at times. There's things in our life that we're supposed to carry around with us, But there's lots of things in our life that we were never meant to carry around with us, that we're not supposed to walk around with in our lives, but sometimes we do. We have excess baggage. And the problem with that is if we carry stuff around in our life, excess baggage of whatever kind, it can actually really affect the things that we do. It can affect the things we say. It can affect the relationships we have with other people. It can affect the choices that we make. Our plan, our purpose for life, it can get in the way if we're carrying things around us that we were never supposed to carry. And the Bible here in Hebrews 12 says this, lay aside 
every weight. Lay it aside. And lay aside every sin which clings so closely. I want to ask us the question this morning. What are we carrying around with us? What are we lugging around? What is making us feel defeated perhaps at times? Maybe downhearted? Maybe tired or worn out? Because the Christian journey can be difficult. It can be hard. But I don't think God ever intended us to carry around loads of excess baggage. And we sang that song earlier about the divine exchange and trading our sorrows. And that was purposeful because of what I was speaking about today. And I think we have a God who wants to actually take stuff from us and say, actually, you don't need to carry that around with you anymore. You don't need that weight on your life anymore. I can help you with that. I can take that from you. I can give you what you need. I mean, running with endurance, the race that is set before us. It's hard to run, isn't it? It's hard to do a race when you're weighed down with anything. I find running a challenge at the best of times, okay? Running just with excess weight, you know, running in a tracksuit and running with excess weight of just, you know, an iPod is hard enough, okay? If I ever go out running, if I ever decide to do that, that's difficult. Running a race, going out jogging with weights on me or excess baggage would be impossible to physically do that. You don't want any weight on you when you're running. You want to be as light as possible. And I think in a sort of metaphorical way, the Christian life is likened to a race. And it's a race for us to be running, a race for us to endure, a race where we set our eyes on Jesus the perfecter of our faith. And we don't want anything to slow us down on that race, on that journey. So why are we encouraged to do this? Why are we encouraged to lay aside every weight and every sin? Well, whenever a passage kind of kicks start with the word therefore, we've got to kind of investigate what comes before that. Why is the writer here saying therefore? Therefore since. Therefore since this we ought to do this. And it says clearly here, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, because of that, we ought to do this. Now, who are the cloud of witnesses? What is that about? Who is he referring to here? Well, the cloud of witnesses are outlined in Hebrews 11. So if you flip back to Hebrews 11, you will see there, it's what I call like the hall of fame. It's the greats. It's the people who had great faith, the Abrahams, the Moses, the Isaacs. And they're written in Hebrews 11 to illustrate how faithful they were to God, to illustrate their great faith. And the writer is saying, because of this, because you're surrounded by these great witnesses, lay aside everything, fix your eyes on Jesus, and run the race that was set for us. And these people in Hebrews 11 are commended here for different reasons, but all because they had faith in God. Now, we don't know for certain who the author of Hebrews was. Okay, it is debated, and some people suggest it could be Paul, but we're not entirely sure. But what we do know is this, is that the recipients of the letter of Hebrews, they would have known the author. And so the author knew the situation that he was writing to, he knew the people, and he was writing to a specific uh, people group, a time, and a situation. And the title Hebrews implies he was writing to Jewish Christians. 
And in this letter, if we, if we read through it all, we would see that actually what was happening is that these early Jewish Christians were suffering. They were being persecuted for their faith. And actually many of them were in danger of sort of giving up on the Christian faith, of wavering from, you know, following, following Christ and being tempted really to go back to just the Jewish tradition and Jewish religion. And so the author is saying, look, Look at these people. Look at these great people of the faith in Hebrews 11. Be inspired by these great people to stay strong, to keep running the race. Don't give up on it. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't go back to your former ways. Don't be burdened and, and weighed down. Lay aside all the weights of whatever it was that was weighing them down, the rituals, the regulations that, that the Jewish custom had, and all the sin and all of that. Just put it down. And fix your eyes on Jesus. And throughout the Bible, throughout Hebrews, it talks about this idea of Jesus being the superior one and sticking with Jesus. Because obviously they were being persecuted for that. And so the author is trying to encourage them and trying to say, no, don't give up. Keep going. So how can we lay aside these things? Because I think that this truth here that was for the early Jewish Christians, is exactly the same for us today. And we need to hear this as much today as ever, to actually, you know what, lay aside the things that are weighing you down. Put them to one side. Allow Jesus to minister to us, to take those things from us, and to fix our eyes on the perfecter of our faith, so that we might run the race. And so we're going to look quickly... I'm going to try and do this really quickly. <laughs> At each person who's outlined in Hebrews 11, okay? There's nine different people that I want us to have a look at. So, let's go. Let's make a start. All right, we're going to um, start with Moses. Now, Moses, I'm not going to read the whole thing, and there's different things I can pick out there, but I'm going to pick out this one thing here, okay? Moses, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see? Moses did extraordinary things, didn't he? We know Moses is doing great, amazing things. But he wouldn't have done those things if he'd stayed known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. If he'd gone under and lived under that identity for the rest of his life, he wouldn't have done the amazing things that he did. Actually, he lived under his true identity, which was actually a Hebrew, an Israelite. That's who Moses was. We know the story of being, him being hidden on the river and Pharaoh's daughter coming and taking him and looking after him. So he was looked after by the Egyptians and he was raised that way. But he was a Hebrew. He was an Israelite. And he said, I'm not going to be an Egyptian. I'm going to be my true identity. I'm going to be who I should be. And it was because of that that he was able to lead the Israelites out of slavery. He had to align himself with his true identity to do that great, amazing thing that he did. And so the plan and the purpose for Moses' life happened because he knew who he was. He knew his true identity. And I think we can learn something from this, because in our life, I sometimes think we are weighed down by mistaken identity. We are weighed down by thinking we're something and we're not particularly that thing or being labeled something and we don't need to carry that label around we might have a misconception of who we really are and so my first 
I'm going to see how this is going to go. Bit of luggage is this, okay? So we've got mistaken identity. And sometimes what we do is we decide to put this on. We don't always carry it around with us sometimes, but maybe in the morning when we get up, we don't realize we're doing it, but we pick up the bag of mistaken identity and we put it on. And we have this misconception of who we really are. Sometimes our identity crisis comes from ourselves and we put pressure on ourselves. And sometimes it comes from other people and we might have been labelled by other people. I've mentioned this to you before. But when I was young, growing up, I was always labelled as the quiet one, the shy one. Yeah, I was the one that you didn't say boo, you know, wouldn't say boo to a goose. I was a little quiet one. You might not think that now, but I was. Someone would say about me, yeah, you can just put her in the corner, it's okay, she won't say a word. I was the one, you know, at my induction service that Paul Hudson um, said, I went through a whole year of school not talking to the teacher. Okay? So I didn't, you know, I didn't speak, basically. And I really hated it. I hated growing up feeling that way, feeling like I was the quiet, shy one and being labelled that way. And it made me feel not good enough. Others of you might be sitting there thinking, oh, I was always labelled the loud one, the one that never shut up, and I didn't like that either. And we carry around this perception of ourselves, and it's not right. You know, we might be quiet, we might be loud, but it's not negative. It's the way we see it, isn't it? The way we perceive it. Or maybe we feel we're not beautiful enough, not handsome enough. Maybe we're insecure about different things, or we're not talented enough. Or we've been given a label by somebody in the past. And we find it really hard to shift that label. And we carry it around with us. And Moses said this, I'm refusing to be called Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Didn't make sense in my head. I'm refusing to be called that. He said, no, I am an Israelite. That is my true identity. And I'm sticking with it. And today I think we need to do the same. We need to be like Moses and just flat out refuse to carry around a mistaken identity, to feel a certain way because of what people have said about us, or we feel like we're a certain thing and we see it in a negative way when it's not negative. And it gets in the way of us becoming all that we can become. Moses had to align himself with being an Israelite to do what he needed to do in Christ. And we need to know our true identity. We need to know that we are the apple of God's eye. We need to know that God loves us unconditionally for who we are, that we are unique, and that he created you to be you, just as you are, not as anything else. You're made worthy. You're set apart. I love that word today about, you know, that God is proud of you. And sometimes we just want to lug this mistaken identity around with us. And it alters the way we see ourselves. It alters the way we speak with other people and what we do. Maybe we need to be like Moses. I'm not going to pick up that label. That label somebody labeled me years ago and I carry it around. I'm not going to pick it up anymore. God doesn't want us to carry around anything in excess. And then we have Joseph. And Joseph... It says this, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. 
Now, of all the things that Joseph did, yeah, and it's in this, and it seems quite insignificant here, doesn't it, about the fact of, you know, um, he's talking about the Israelites and he's giving directions concerning his bones. What is that about? Well, Joseph um, ends up in Egypt, doesn't he? We know about the story of Joseph where his brothers sold him to some passing travellers and the story goes on. And Joseph's taken into Egypt and God really prospers Joseph in Egypt. So much so that he comes in to the service of Pharaoh. And he comes in and he rules over the land. And that's the story. And at the end of of his life, Joseph is saying this. He's talking about the time to come when the Israelites would be delivered from Egypt. They would be set free. And they would, you know, they would go from that land to Israel, to Canaan. And he was saying, look, I want my bones to be buried there. When the Israelites are freed from this place and they get to the promised land to Canaan, I want my bones to go there and, and be buried there. Because he wasn't an Egyptian, was he? He was, like Moses, an Israelite, a Hebrew. And though he lived and he died in Egypt, he didn't live and die as an Egyptian, but he was an Israelite. And he wanted to be identified in that way. And he, like Moses, wanted to testify to who he really was. Underneath all the prosperity, underneath the Egyptian lifestyle, underneath the Egyptian fame, was actually an Israelite shepherd boy. Under all of that, he was an Israelite shepherd boy. And he wanted to be known as that. And he was commended for his faith. And I wonder sometimes if we ever feel that we carry around a different type of weight. Perhaps we carry around this weight of expectation of what people might think of us. And we might put this on. Okay. We might put on the weight of expectation. And actually, all we want to do is say, underneath it all, this is me. Actually, you think I'm this and, and you think I'm that, but underneath it all, I just want you to know who I really am. It's so important that at the end of his life for Joseph, that he would testify as an Israelite. This is who I am. I'm an Israelite. And though I won't see the deliverance of the Israelites, I will die in the faith of it. And it's important for us as well to testify to who we really are and be confident about who we really are. To be confident in the person that God created us to be. It doesn't matter what other people's expectations are on us. Actually, all that matters is God's expectation of us. God created us to be us, to do what he wants us to do. And he has a plan and a purpose for each one of us that is different to the person sitting next to you, and that's okay. And sometimes we have this expectation, and we feel the weight of that, and all we want to say is that this is me. Or sometimes the expectation to be something, and we just want to be honest and say, well, I've done this and I've done that, and, you know. And that's okay. We can be honest before God. We can be honest. God knows everything, so there's no point hiding anything. We can be ourselves before God. God created us to be us. And then we have Jacob. And um, I don't know why I keep looking up there, because there's nothing there. I keep looking to see if it's And then we have Jacob. And by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Again, another great guy, Jacob. And you kind of think, well, what's he being commended for here with this little thing? What's going on? Actually, what he did was he was blessing Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he was bringing Joseph's sons into the idea of being his sons. And he bows over the head of the staff. 
Why is he doing that? Well, he's blessing them. And he knows he's coming to the end of his life. He's unwell. And he's giving them this blessing. And he wants the religion to continue. He wants the faith to continue. And the stance is really important. The bowing over the staff is really important. Because what it shows is this. Is that um, Jacob had this kind of weakness. He was too weak. And he needed the staff to help him, to support him, to help him to sit up. And yet... Even in his weakness, even in the time of great limitation that Jacob had, he still did what he could do. He wasn't able to do everything he'd want to do, but he could do what he could do. And he could still give that blessing. And he, he had the staff there to support him. And he was showing his dependence upon God. He was weary. He was weak. He was tired. He was ill. But he still gave the blessing. And I wonder sometimes in our life whether we have picked up the weight and the burden of limitation. And something in our lives perhaps limits us. And it brings us to that place of weariness. It brings us to that place of tiredness. And we carry it round now. This is two rucksacks. I don't know if I can get this one. Yeah. We carry it round, this idea of limitation. And we think to ourselves, God, how can you use me? How can, how can I fulfill your purposes when I've got this, when I'm carrying this around with me? But what we see in Jacob's life is this, that even in his limitation, he was still used of God. He did what he could do. And God can see sometimes, not sometimes, God can see. God can see our limitations. And he can see sometimes that it, it makes us weary. But we can still be used of God, even though we might not be able to do what we want to do, we might not be able to serve in the way we'd want to serve. We can do what we can do. And Jacob's natural weakness was not going to be an excuse for him. He wasn't going to make that an excuse. I was around at somebody's house a while ago, someone here, chatting to them, and we were talking about the purposes of God. And this person has a limitation in their life. And yet they said to me, I just want to know what God wants me to do next. I just want to know what the purpose of God is for me. In, even in this limitation that I'm carrying, even with this weight, I still want to do what I can do for God. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Fix our eyes upon Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, and not let limitation drag us down. Then we've got Isaac. And by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. We did have Isaac. There he is. Now, Isaac, we know the story of Isaac. He was betrayed, wasn't he? At the end of his life, he was betrayed. He wanted to give a blessing to his son Esau. But what happened was his wife and his other son, Jacob, deceived him and tricked him. And so the blessing was given to Jacob and not Esau. And Esau was devastated by this. And Esau comes to his dad, comes to Isaac and says, will you just give me a blessing too? And so Isaac does. Isaac gives Esau a blessing. It's inferior to Jacob's, but he does it. And Isaac was devastated. You know, imagine being betrayed like that by your wife and by your son. And you wanted to give the blessing to Esau. And in in the midst of all this, in in the hurt, in the betrayal, in the devastation, Isaac keeps his faith. He keeps his faith. He ratifies the blessing he gave to Jacob. He says, look, I have blessed him and he shall be blessed. He didn't recall the blessing that he gave to Jacob. 
He didn't do that. He said, I've blessed Jacob. Jacob is to be blessed. And then he gave another blessing to Esau. You know, there are times in our life when we are going to get hurt. There are times in our life when we will be devastated. And we will go through pain and sorrow and heartache and even betrayal. And I think that's one of the biggest things that can weigh us down. One of the biggest things that can cause a problem and a stumbling block in our lives is when we carry around hurt and pain in that way. Perhaps we've been lied to, perhaps we've been betrayed to, and it was by someone really close, could even be a family member. And we pick up this weight of hurt. I'm getting weighed down, guys. It's just, you know, that comes Right, sorted. And we pick up this. This is a big one. I thought it needed a big bag. Because sometimes the hurt is big and it gets right in the way and it stops us being all that we can be. What are we to do? Should we carry it around with us? Should we keep lugging our hurts, our pains, our past uh, devastations? Are we going to get up in the morning and pick it up and take it with us? The problem is, is it can cause us to be bitter, can cause us to have hard hearts if we carry it around with us. And by faith, Isaac blessed both Esau and Jacob. He didn't recall the blessing, and he didn't leave Esau unblessed. He found a way through his hurt and his pain and his betrayal. You know, these things, God wants to lift from us. He doesn't want us to be weighed down by these things and to keep them. I love the passage in Isaiah 61, which says, Jesus is sent to bind up the brokenhearted. Yeah? to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I love, love, love that passage. Run the race. Look to Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, and he will lift us from the ashes and give us a crown of beauty. You know, the interesting thing is the word for ashes and the word for beauty looks like this. Epha is the word for ashes, and fear is the word for beauty. Just one little letter, and just as quickly as you transpose that one little letter, so God will take our sorrows, and take our pain, and take our hurt, and lift it from us, and exchange it for beauty. Give us the oil of joy instead of mourning. The oil changed a person's countenance. It changed their face when they were mourning. It changed them. And the garments of praise were given at a time of thanksgiving. Instead of a spirit of despair, let him give us a garment of praise. We don't have to carry these things around. There's that great little uh, verse in Psalms where it says that God sees our tears and he bottles them up. I love that verse. Because we have tears in the private place. We have tears because of this in our life, because of hurt and devastation. But Christ sees it, and he bottles it up. Then we've got Abraham. And Abraham did a load of different things. He's mentioned a couple of times. But this particular time, it's about him being tested in the sacrifice of his son Isaac. What a testing time it really was for Abraham at this time. And today, sometimes we carry a weight around us of trial, of testing. Now... Don't, don't, don't think it's because of the size of the bag, but this is my little going out bag. I'm going to put this one on. I just thought I needed a little one. 
but sometimes it can be very big. The trials, the tests that come our way, that are in our place, and we're facing the mountain, and it's hard, just like Abraham was tested. I mean, he really was tested when God said, I want you to sacrifice your son. Not that God was ever going to do that, but Abraham was tested in that way. But you know what Abraham knew? Abraham knew God, and he knew God was good, and he knew God was faithful, and he knew that if God commanded something, his commands were good, and he trusted in God. So it helped him to get through that test. However difficult our challenge, however difficult the trial, however heavy that burden is, we can trust in a faithful God who's good and commands good things and wants good things for us. It might seem impossible. It might seem insurmountable. But God is faithful and he promises to never leave us or forsake us, but to be with us always. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God who says, my ways are higher than your ways. My plans are bigger than your plans. Then we have Sarah, Abraham's wife. And for Sarah, it was a difficult situation because she couldn't have children. She didn't think she could have children. And so she tries to make the situation happen herself. And she goes to Hagar, the maidservant, and Abraham and Hagar have a son called Ishmael. But that wasn't really the true plan. And then she heard God speak to Abraham, and God said to Abraham, I am going to give you a son. Sarah is going to conceive. But she thought it was impossible. And so we, hear, we see in the Bible that she laughed because she thought, well, I'm, you know, I, I'm not of age anymore, and how can that happen? But her unbelief is pardoned, and she puts her faith in God, and God does deliver on his promise. And more than that, Isaac's her son. Isaac, one of the greats. Isaac, who the nation comes forth from. And I wonder sometimes in our life whether we're carrying around a bag, baggage of unfulfilled promises where God has promised us something or told us something and we've yet to see that thing happen. And it's really hard to carry around sometimes an unfulfilled promise. It could be whatever, I don't know, whatever it is for you. And waiting is never easy, is it? I mean, I don't like waiting at the best of times. You know, in a queue, in traffic, whatever it is. I mean, waiting's hard, but when you're waiting for months or waiting for years and you feel that God has got a promise for you, but you haven't seen it, it's hard. And sometimes we carry this bag around with us. But God did deliver for Sarah. He did prove himself to be faithful and Perhaps we need to know that we can trust in God. And we don't need to carry around this thing as a weight, but just know that God has promised it to us and that he's with us in the waiting time. And then we've got, and I've put them together because of time-wise, we've got Rahab, the Israelites, Abraham and Noah. And I've put them together because I think they're commended for something quite similar. They all had to do something. They all had to show their obedience to God in the face of the unknown. They were all told to do something or be somewhere or whatever it is when they didn't quite know the outcome. And the situation could have looked really daunting and the situation could have looked really difficult and a bit frightening and a bit scary. 
and yet they obeyed God. Rahab um, took in the spies. The, the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, they made, made that step of faith and crossed the Red Sea. I'm not sure how I would have felt thinking I had to cross this expanse of water. Abraham left his place where he was called to leave and he obeyed. Noah built the ark. And they were being asked really to step out, to step out in faith into the unknown. And they could have been held back. They could have been held back by fear. That does say fear. These things. There, look. And sometimes we carry this around with us wherever we go. Fear. And it can hinder us. It can stop us from doing all the things that God would want us to do because we think, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not equipped enough. How can I do that? How can I stand up and say that or whatever it is? And fear will weigh us down and it will limit us. Hebrews tells us to lay aside, just lay aside the weights, lay aside the burdens and fix our eyes upon Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. Because with Jesus, he will help us. He can do all things. And in all of these four cases, all these people, all these groups of people obeyed God. They took that step of faith and it proved to be fruitful. Fear didn't hold them back. If it had done, their whole destiny would have been changed. If they had let the circumstance control them, if they had let the fear of the unknown control them, it would have been a very different story. So much so that they actually their lives would be perhaps destroyed. If Noah hadn't built the ark, he and his family wouldn't be saved. If Abraham hadn't obeyed and gone to another land, Abraham, the founder of the faith, if the Israelites hadn't crossed the Red Sea, it would have been a totally different story. But they didn't let fear stop them. They didn't let it get in the way. Laying aside all those things, look to Jesus. And then we've got this guy called Enoch. How many of us know about Enoch? I don't know how much you know. He was a really good guy. He was very faithful to God. He was humble. He walked with God. And he was upright. And he, he was commended for his faith in God and being upright and being righteous. I think we can learn something from Enoch because one of the things sometimes we carry around with us and it's written in Hebrews 12 is the weight of our sin. Sometimes we carry sin and we know we're doing it and we take it with us. And I think we can learn because it says this, Um, In the passage, in verse 8, it says, And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to live the good life. Because temptation is always going to be at our door. Sin is always just around the corner, isn't it? And we can so easily get entangled in it. But actually, if we know who God is, then it's easier not to sin. It's easier not to fall into temptation. Because it's a little bit like this. When I was growing up, I loved my parents. I mean, I still do. I love them. When I was growing up, though, I loved my parents, and I know they loved me. And everything I did, the way I lived my life, it wasn't because I feared being punished that I did the right thing. Um, It wasn't that, you know, if I was going to be grounded or whatever. But I did the right thing more because I didn't want to upset them. 
I actually knew if I did the wrong thing and I ended up doing something and disobeying them, that that would upset them. They would disappoint them. And I would feel guilty for that. And that's because I knew them. And it's a little bit like that with God. I think, actually, when we really know God and we really love God and we see God's true nature, what we realize then is how much sin hurts him and how much doing the wrong thing and how much our sinful ways actually really disappoint God and and grieve God and, and it puts a barrier. And I think when we recognize that, it's that idea that I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt God. I don't want to grieve God. I want to live a life that is good, like Enoch, upright. But it was because Enoch knew who God was and had confidence and faith in God. And I think when we really know that, then it helps us a little bit, maybe, not to pick up the sin. Because we know what it can do. But I want to encourage you with this last one, and that's Abel. Because we do sin. As much as we do love God and we know God, we do things wrong. Because why? We're not perfect, are we? Yeah, we're not perfect, so we do stuff wrong. And when we do stuff wrong, we can get forgiven. We can get forgiven for the things that we do wrong. But sometimes we find it hard to forgive ourselves. And sometimes we pick this final one up, which is shame and condemnation. And sometimes we're very good at beating ourselves up and carrying things around with us that actually God's forgotten, that God's forgiven us for. And we don't need to carry that round, but we do, because we can't forget it ourselves. And I want us to look at Abel, because, well, let's just have a look at him for a moment. It talks about Abel and Cain and their offering to God. And Abel's offering was more acceptable than Cain's was. Why was Abel's more acceptable? It was because of this. Abel was giving an offering. He wasn't just sacrificing and bringing an offering. He was doing it from a repentant heart. He was doing it from a place where he was confessing to God. He was confessing that he was a sinner in need of atonement, in need of mercy. He came from a place of recognizing who he was. Whereas Cain brought a thanks offering. It was just a thanks offering. It wasn't a place of confession. It wasn't a place of admitting he needed um, forgiveness. It was different. And so Abel's was the acceptable one because he came before God and saying, look, I need to be forgiven. I'm a sinner and confessed and repented. And I think we need to know that, that that offering was pleasing to God. And when we come before God, even though we've sinned, even though we've failed, even though we've messed up, when we come to God and confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And he takes them from us and he removes them from us so that we don't have to carry any shame around. The Bible talks about the fact that we are no longer under condemnation. We don't have to carry guilt around with us. And as we come before God we can give our offering and we can confess and be completely forgiven. But so often we're quick to carry around the past with us and the mistakes and they, and they cloud our judgment and they affect the way we behave and the way we act. There's quite a few people listed there and I haven't done every single person. There's others, but I've done the main ones. But I want us to think about this today. I'm pretty heavy laden, although they're not that heavy because they've got nothing in them. But 
Do you know what? If I had to go out today looking like this, okay, like you do, you imagine me leaving here, getting into my car, trying to drive like this, getting home, sitting on the sofa like this, trying to cook my dinner, trying to go to bed with like this, okay? It would be pretty difficult, yeah? Now, let's just think about that for a moment in our own lives. If we are carrying around excess baggage that looks a little bit like this, we might not see it like this, but believe me, it will affect what we do and who we are and what we say and the way we relate to one another and the way we relate to God. It will affect us. It will slow us down. It could change the cause of our destiny. It could change the choices and the decisions we make, all because... We're lugging these things around. And God says, you know what? Throw aside all these things that are weighing you down. You don't need them. You don't need to keep picking them up. You can lay them aside. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the perfecter of our faith. I'm going to invite the worship group to come back. And I think this Hebrews 11, I've always loved the Hebrews 11 passage that talks about this idea of the greats, the greats of our faith. And how we can be inspired by their stories about what they did and who they were. And Hebrews 12 tells us this, doesn't it? Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, because of these people, let's be inspired by their stories and let's lay aside all these things and put them at the foot of the cross. And I'm not saying they magically, some of them magically just disappear because we've put them down. Because I'm very good at putting down and picking up. And you might be a little bit like that as well. Oh no, right, okay. I'm going to put that hurt down and I'm not going to carry that around with me anymore. And then next week, lo and behold, I've, still, I've, I've picked it up again. Or whatever it might be. The shame or whatever. And so it's a conscious decision, isn't it? To say daily, actually, I'm not going to let these things hold me back. I'm not going to let these things stop me. And we can give them to God. And we can take them off so that we're not heavy laden and we're not burdened. And I want us today to think, you know, it could be expectation. It could be mistaken identity. It could be limitations in our life. It could be hurt. It could be any of the things that I've talked about or trials It could be unfulfilled promises that we're carrying around with us. It could be sin. It could be shame. It could be something completely different that I haven't mentioned, but we know it's weighing us down. And God doesn't want us to be weighed down. God wants us to take these things off and fix our eyes on him. So let us stand together. And as we stand, I want us to think about This idea of divine exchange, this idea of laying aside everything that hinders. That feels better. It feels better when we take these weights off. It feels better when we unburden ourselves. God doesn't want you or me to carry excess baggage. We don't need to. He wants to exchange. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive for us this morning.
And in this room right now as we're gathered, we'll have many different things that we're carrying. Some of us will be carrying a mistaken identity. And we have a certain way of looking at ourselves and maybe it's just wrong. And I pray today, God, that you would break that on people's lives. Father, I pray that people would go out knowing their identity is in you and that you have created them to be what you wanted them to be. And that any label that anyone's put on us that isn't right, Lord, I pray that we'd shake it off and lay it aside. God, I pray for any hurts that we're carrying, any pain, any suffering. Lord, I pray today that we could just leave it at the foot of the cross and that we can have that exchange. Beauty for ashes. Father, I pray that there'll be no limitation on our lives that will stop us or hold us back. God, I pray that we'll be able to be ourselves and that the weight of expectation won't overcome us. God, I pray that we won't let fear stop us or that you'd help us in our waiting time as we wait for your promises. Lord, I pray we'd throw off sin. We'd throw off shame. We'd know, Lord God, that we're not a failure with you. We might have made mistakes. We might have done things wrong. But God, you forgive us and you're faithful to forgive us always and you love us. God, whatever trial that we're facing, whatever test it is, whatever mountain that is before us today, God, I pray that we know that we can trust you to hold on to that. We don't have to carry it around. Lord, you don't want us to be burdened. So God, I pray we'd be free today. And Lord, as we sing this final song, that we would just make that exchange, that we would bring our our burdens to you, our weights to you, and lay them aside once and for all. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. 